we're talking about spiritual exercises. Spiritual exercises. How many of you had some New Year's resolutions at the beginning of 2022? Some goals that you had set. How many of you? Raise your hand just so I know that some of you set some goals for 2022. Okay, that's good. There's not very many hands up, folks. This is a whole other sermon I'm going to have to preach for you. <laughs> kind of blows the next question out. How's that working out for you? Uh, usually by the middle of the summer, which July 31st, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know what? Tomorrow you're going to wake up, it's August 1st, and you know what? I've already seen the pictures on Facebook. Kids are going back to school, getting ready to go back to school. Summer is coming to an end. It's sad, I know, I don't want it to end, but... Usually by this point, middle of the summer, those goals that you had at the beginning of the year that you said, oh right, it's 2022, I'm going to make some changes. Usually they, they kind of were going strong in the winter, you had a routine, then it sort of you know, dwindled in the spring and the summer sun just faded it away. Am I right? That's usually how it goes. I just want to encourage you, don't give up on those goals. Stick with them. I had an important goal for me personally. I set 12 goals for this year. And one of them was not necessarily to exercise more, but to exercise in a specific way to compete in a triathlon, a sprint triathlon. The sprint triathlon is the baby of triathlons. So don't think I'm all like, you know, uh, I don't know what even a good triathlon guy is, all right? But uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not that, that good, all right? I, I do a, it's a half-mile swim. It's a 12-mile bike and it's a three-mile run. So that's a sprint triathlon. So I set a goal. I was going to do one of those. Actually, I wanted to do four of those this year. And I personally like training for the triathlon because of the variety that I get to do. So I could swim one day. I could bike. I could run. Sometimes I get on the elliptical. Sometimes I go for a walk with my wife. That's like running. You know, I have longer legs, but she's quick. Always pushing me. Come on, 15-minute mile, let's go. Jeez. I just wanted to go for a walk around the block. But I did it, and I I trained all winter, I trained all spring, and I did the first of uh, what I hoped would be four triathlons this summer um, in June, and it was very rewarding. I was very happy with the time and all of that. I was competing against myself, certainly not against those other guys, because they're younger and a lot faster. Um, than me, but I was just trying to, to, to accomplish something, and then the summer came, and my son has baseball, and my daughter wants to go on trips, and I want to go fishing, and so it got busy, and then I got a little hamstring injury, and I know, excuses, 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 so I still have only done one, but I'm really hoping to keep training, and I have been, to do that last one before the end of the year. I like to train for them. How about you? Are you in training? Not for a triathlon. Are you in spiritual training? Because the Bible tells us, God tells us, that we are to train ourselves for godliness. And if you don't believe me, I have a verse to back it up. Okay? It's in 1 Timothy. Paul mentored Timothy. And Paul wrote to this young pastor, and he said this in verse 6, 7, and 8. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained, and the word, by the way, is gymnazo. 
like gymnasium, gymnazo, that's the Greek word, trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The message is clear. Train yourself for godliness. Do your spiritual exercises. And I like how Paul mentored Timothy. He gave him positive reinforcement. He doesn't heap on the negative consequences, which I'll share one with you in a little bit here, of what happens if you don't do your spiritual training, if you don't do your spiritual exercises. There's some negative consequences. No, what Paul says is that it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. You can shape your body to perfection on earth through exercise. I see it all the time when I go to the gym. I'm there several times a week, and when I see uh, around me are some men and women who have been sculpting their bodies. I look in the mirror and I'm like, geez, I really got to work on that. But I try not to compare myself. But these people are sculpting their bodies. However, in eternity, our heavenly bodies do not have the same physique as the earthly body. I doubt very highly that people will be admiring their bulging muscles in heaven. Because the heavenly body is not like the earthly body. The Bible informs us of that. But if we prioritize our time, if we spend more time doing spiritual exercises than physical exercises, so if you go to the gym one hour, how about you spend two hours doing a spiritual exercise? building up your spiritual muscles. Because whatever you do on earth spiritually, we see here, it carries over into heaven. You get to take your spiritual muscles with you to heaven. That's exciting, is it not? Say amen if you agree. You are awake. You didn't even need a Starbucks. Now, don't you want to know what those spiritual exercises are? Surely you do want to know what they are, because honestly, that's what I plan on telling you about next. So I hope you want to know what spiritual exercises you should be doing. And some of you know what they are. You hopefully are encouraged by what I'm going to share with you. But before we dive in, I like to spend some time praying and asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the truth. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for today, set apart for you. You've called us to be set apart, to be holy as you are holy. And Lord, your word, it can feed us like nothing else can. It can build us up. It can strengthen us. God, may your word be the most important spiritual exercise we do on a daily basis. May we walk with you. May we keep in step with your spirit. May we pray for others and to be more like you, to be more like your son, Jesus. May we love one another, as you've called us so many times to do. May we see that today in the word, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I hope you're aware of how often the New Testament writers encourage us as a church, as as the body of Christ, to grow up spiritually. I I just want to zip through a few of these for you. 
You'll see them on the screen here. 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. I like how the analogy of going from a child to a grown-up is basically what the New Testament writers talk about. Peter, disciple of Jesus, said, like newborn infants, this is a, a brand new Christian, you should long for the pure spiritual milk so you can grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. If you've truly tasted that the Lord is good, you would want more. He then finishes his second letter in chapter 3, verse 18, by saying, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul, in the middle of his letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, just before the love is patient, love is kind, or just after actually, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up the childish ways. Clear message. Grow up. He tells the church in Ephesus, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And the writer of Hebrews, could be Paul, says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. I love this. He's telling the church. You ought to be teaching the word. But you need someone to teach you again the basic principles. You're still sipping on the milk. You need solid food. For everyone who lives on the milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. You're acting like a child. The message is clear for us as Christians. Grow up spiritually. Don't be a spiritual baby craving spiritual milk. Sink your teeth into some meat. Or if you're a vegetarian, some tofu. If you don't grow up, you're going to have problems. There are consequences for not growing up spiritually. In fact, Paul tells in the verse prior, verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, we no longer want to be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of teaching, that's the word for doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. If you don't grow up spiritually, you get deceived by the lies that are circulating in our world today. And being an election year, there's a whole lot of them being circulated. You won't know the truth. If you've ever been lied to before, like you believed it and somebody totally deceived you, you know how that feels, don't you? It's not fun. Nobody likes to be lied to. That's why you have to grow up spiritually, so you don't believe the lie, so you understand the truth. You can discern it. But you cannot do that unless you do your spiritual exercises. I teach a member class here. It's called Welcome to This Church. The emphasis is his church because it's more about discipleship. It's more about understanding what it means to belong to a local church. So I call it Welcome to This Church, but the H is capital for his church. I call them spiritual disciplines because I believe it takes discipline to be a disciple of Jesus. It takes some work. It takes some effort. Spiritual disciplines, here are the main ones. They're not all of them, but there's things like taking the Bible in, praying, worshiping, witnessing. I'm not to those points yet. Serving, giving, and fasting. They're not all the spiritual exercises, but they're the main ones. And you can do spiritual exercises on your own. But I'm here to tell you, and I think some of you already know, 
they're way better with other people. It's way better. It's more fun to do spiritual exercises with other people. Would you rather go to the gym by yourself or with someone else to encourage you and, and push you a little bit? I guess it depends on who you go with, right? <laughs> I'm not going with him. Yells at me all the time. These are not <laughs> there are many facets of walking with God, I think, that require other people. You want to walk with God, you need other people. There's no other explanation why God called the church, created the church. Church is his idea, the body of Christ. Us coming together is God's idea. Loner Christians that don't connect with the local body of Christ, they just cannot grow up spiritually like God wants them to. If it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a church to raise a Christian. Seriously, let that sink in. I, I really believe that. It takes a whole church. It takes a local church to help raise up a Christian. You need each other. We need each other. We do. We really do. So first and foremost, the first point, the spiritual exercise that should happen daily is taking the Bible in. Take in God's Word. And I'm not going to accept the, oh, I don't like to read. There are apps that will read the Bible to you. Take the Bible in. Read it, listen to it, study it, memorize it, because Romans 12.2 says when you renew your mind, God will transform you. God will change you from the inside out. Now, depending on how long you've been, uh, dare I say, pagan, heathen, away from God, when you become a Christian, when you surrender to the Lord, because I, I can't even say that anymore. I should stop and correct myself. Because so many people, the, the statistics say three out of four people identify with Christianity in America. Of course, that number's dropping, and more who identify with nothing is rising. Um, you, you're not a Christian because you grew up in church. You're not a Christian because you went to catechism or you got baptized. You're a Christian because the Holy Spirit is living in you dwelling in you. That's why John chapter 3 says you're a born-again Christian. You must be born again by the Holy Spirit. It's something that God does in you, and you respond with your faith. So, when you become a Christian, depending on how many worldly influences have affected you, infected you, prior to that point in your life, you may have a lot of renewing to do is my point. You may have a lot of renewing. And that's okay, because it's not like downloading a file and you get the satisfaction of 100% complete. It's not like that. You're never done renewing your mind. God is always changing, always transforming you, and it takes some time. He changes you from the inside out. Honestly, that's how you know you're a real Christian if you're changing from the inside out. I've seen people change external behaviors on their own. Yeah, hey, look at me. I'm like, I, 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 I don't swear as much anymore. I don't gossip, hardly at all. I quit drinking, smoking, whatever. Those are external things that you're doing on your own, in your own strength. You are not being changed from the inside out. A genuine Christian changes from the inside out because their desires change. 
because they've renewed their mind and their thinking changes, their attitude changes, because you see God through his eyes. He wrote the Bible. He moved the men who moved the pen. His spirit guided them, and he wrote the word of God. And honestly, when you study, which is why I went through the harmony of the Gospels, when you study the life of Jesus, Jesus reveals our Father. Jesus opens our eyes to who God is. And the Holy Spirit allows us to discern, and he gives us the mind of Christ. So we are changed from the inside out. There's a reason why I don't want to do the things I wanted to do when I was 22. Because God has changed me from the inside out. And he does that. And he'll do that for you. And he probably has. I've never met a follower of Jesus that looks back on their life and says, Man, I really miss my old life. I miss all that guilt and shame. I just want to go back. That's like saying I want to go back and be a teenager again and have zits all over again. No, thank you. Nobody wants zits. You don't go back to that if you don't have to. So make it a daily exercise to take the Bible in. It's one of the most important spiritual exercises. Take the Bible in. Study it. Memorize it. Read it over and over and over again. It's amazing how something you read one day, one morning, and you're going through your daily life, and something happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just read that this morning. That ever happened to you? Raise your hand so everybody can see. Look around. It happens because God's word is living and active. Awesome. Secondly, keep in step with the Spirit. I preached on this last week. It's on our uh, YouTube channel and our website. If you didn't see last week's message or hear it, Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit follows freedom. Fruit of the Holy Spirit will grow in your life when you keep in step. Don't you love that picture? I, I just like that picture. It's on the beach, the footprints. Just picture God. You ever do that when you're a kid? You know, your dad walks through the snow, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm going to step right into those steps. That's what I thought of right there. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He's already got the path marked off for you. Just, just keep in step with that. Last week we had a cross up here, and I asked at the end that you come forward and you crucify, symbolically crucify, your sinful passion, you know, the, the, the fleshly desires that we have. And you wrote them on a red sticky note, and I was blown away at how much of a response. It was wonderful to see you do that, and I was really thankful that you did that. Because I think it's a big step to admit your struggle. And then to come forward, which simply says, I can't do this on my own. I have to take this to the cross. There's no way that I can fix this problem on my own. I have this desire, I have this sin in my life, and I can't fix it. I need help. And it was wonderful to see that. But then you woke up on Monday, <laughs> and it happened again, didn't it? The, the, the trigger, the temptation, the, the, the anger welled up in you, the jealousy, the lust, 
those were the top three, by the way, uh, of, uh, of um, struggles that we have. Because the flesh doesn't give up. And one of the reasons why the flesh doesn't give up is that it cannot. Because God has wired us in such a way that we will have desires. It's very interesting how our brain works. We have neurotransmitters that release chemicals into our bodies to help us feel emotion and take action. That's the way God made us, created us in this wonderful way. You've heard of fight or flight in response to stress. You've heard this word cortisol. It's the chemical the brain releases into the body to help you either run fast, right? If there's a bear chasing you, you just got to run really fast, or at least faster than the person next to you. Run. Or you fight back, right? I mean, that's cortisol. But, as you know and probably heard, if cortisol keeps squirting through your body because you're constantly under stress, that turns into chronic stress, and that's got a whole bunch of physical problems that come with it. So you know about cortisol, I'm sure. But have you heard of some of these other chemicals that actually make you happy? I like to call them the happy brain drugs. Happy brain drugs. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. Friends, if you're going to do drugs, do these four, okay? That's my advice to you. Serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, and dopamine. And I understand, I'm nerding out on you a little bit here with this brain talk, okay? But it's really important. I'm going to make it applicable and relatable, trust me, okay? But just try to follow along. I'm sure you're going to relate to some of this. And then we'll see how it ties into our behavior and our habits. So one particular chemical that gets released in your body, you're very familiar with if you do any kind of exercise whatsoever. If you've been out exercising, you put a strain on your body, and your body will, your brain will tell it to send endorphins. It, it releases endorphins. Endorphins are natural painkillers. That's what they are. It kills the pain. If you've ever been out on a longer cardio workout, you experience what's called a runner's high. A runner's high. And, and what happens is endorphins will surge through your body in the middle of a workout, and all of a sudden you feel great. This is amazing. Usually happens for me around the two-mile mark. Miles zero to two are horrible. <laughs> but then you get to two and you're like, whoa, this is great. I could go forever. No, not really. The endorphins wear off. Um, but the point is, is that endorphins are good for your body. And you can get them through exercise. My wife and I like to say this all the time when we have a bad day. You're one workout away from a good mood. It's true because of endorphins. Go work out. Go exercise. Take drugs. Endorphins, those drugs, okay? Somebody's going to edit that out on YouTube, I know it. <laughs> then there's dopamine. Dopamine is the dangerous one because it's highly addictive. Dopamine is what forms habits, good and bad. Have you ever made a list of things you needed to do? Or your wife made the list for you guys. When you do something on a list, what do you do? Check it off. And guess what happens when you check off that list, that thing you just did? You get a little squirt of dopamine. And that's what makes you feel good. You feel good. 
I did it. I checked it off. Do the next thing on the list. Check, squirt, dopamine. Reward. It's how our body works. And if you've ever done something that's not even on your list, what do you do? You write it on your list, and then you check it off. Because you're an addict. (laughs) You're addicted to dopamine. It's highly addictive, trust me. That's a good habit to have, though, to write down things that you want to accomplish. Short-term goals, long-term goals. That's, That's how God made us, so we accomplish things. However... Have you ever binge-watched a whole season of shows at once? Every time you finish an episode, squirt. You finish the whole season. Twelve hours of your life totally wasted. But you felt good for a minute. And then you realize, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm trying to paint the picture here that that's a bad habit. I'm countering the good with the bad. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? Okay, good habits, bad habits, okay, habits have three parts to them. There's the trigger, there's the behavior, there's the reward. I have something, I have a whole bunch of stuff to do, it's in my head, I got to do it, make a list, check it off, reward. It's the loop, the behavior loop, it's our habits. I'm bored, watch a show, dopamine, it's the loop. Triggers are mostly unavoidable. You can't avoid triggers. Triggers come. Behavior will follow because you want the reward. You crave the reward. You need the reward. If your behavior in the midst of this habit loop is sinful, well, you can't not do something. You have to do something. So this is where crucifying it comes in. Another example, if, you, if someone cuts you off while driving and rage fills your body, the behavior that follows could be sinful, right? You may have been there. Because it scares you. You get this emotion and it scares you. And you want revenge. That's just an example. What do you do? How do you avoid that? You take it to the cross. You surrender it. Because when you take it to the cross, just like you did last week and you came up to the cross and you took that problem that you struggle with, that anger, that lust, that trust, whatever it is, jealousy, and you put it on the cross, you're symbolically saying, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need need you, God. And how does God help you? How does God help us crucify the fleshly desires? That, my friends, is where oxytocin and serotonin come in. Because those two happy brain drugs require two or more people. Two or more people. Oxytocin is affectionately known as the hug drug. It's the hug drug. When you hug someone, you both get oxytocin. That's why we hug people here at Life of Purpose. I'm sorry if you're new and you came in today and somebody hugged you. Okay, I'm just, you know, going to tell you up front, it's what we do, we like oxytocin here. (laughs) No, it's what we do because we truly love you. We care about you. But 
It's a connection you have with other people, physically, emotionally. When you make a deal with someone, let's say you sell a car or something like that, or you agreed to work on something together, you make a deal, what do you do? You shake hands. Even if you signed a contract or whatever, you still shake hands. If, you don't, if somebody says, nah, I'm not shaking your hand, you don't trust them. Shake their hand. Oxytocin. Feels good. It's a happy brain drug. It works. Serotonin is known as the leadership drug. When, when two people or more share a common vision and accomplish it, they receive serotonin. Makes them happy. Makes them feel good. When a person gets up on the stage and receives an award, what do they do first? They thank the people that helped them get there. Not only do they get serotonin, but so do the people watching them. It's something that we have in us. When we share a vision, accomplish a vision, it's released in it. I believe God gave us oxytocin and serotonin so we will help each other. So we will love and support one another. The research shows, I love it when science finally catches up to the Word of God. The research shows when we develop our relationships, oxytocin binds the dopamine and resets the reward pathways. Which is what I'm telling you that you need to do. If you want to change your behavior, you need help. Anyone that's ever been in the 12-step program called El- or done by Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or, or whatever, they understand the program won't work unless they accomplish the 12th step. You know what the 12th step is? Help other people. Oxytocin, serotonin. Help other people. Every undesired behavior that you have, you take it to the cross You need help, and God puts people in your life to help you. God does that for you. We need each other to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, I know there's a lot to chew on there. All right, I'm sorry for, like I said, a lot of brain talk, but it's, it's amazing how God has designed our bodies to help us and to help each other. Thirdly, you need fellowship, the spiritual exercise of fellowship with one another. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. It's what every pastor reads when he wants his people to come to church. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's lots of spiritual exercises I told you you can do on your own. I can go serve on my own. You can go serve on your own. You can give uh, on your own. You can give to charity. You can give to whatever. You can give on your own. You can witness on your own. You can go stand on the street corner there at Ten and Harper and tell people about Jesus. You can do that on your own. But when you do things together, it's so much more rewarding and encouraging. And you have accountability. And I personally like that more, to be with other people. There's been many times that I've been up here at the church on a Tuesday afternoon, and, and nobody else is here, and, I, and I'm working on something. It could be something as simple as uh, you know, 
the computer or maybe I'm putting up a light or something like that. I never stay that long. I never last that long unless somebody shows up and helps me. It's usually Vince, by the way. He, he always comes and helps. But when two people, when I have somebody else, I stay so much longer. I get so much more done because I'm encouraged by that other person being there with me. I'm not alone. So we need this fellowship with one another. We need to encourage one another and inspire one another. Do you need that too? Is it nice to have someone else to help you and be with you? I, I think it's important. So do not neglect meeting with the body of Christ. That's an important, critical, spiritual exercise. And finally, there's prayer. Prayer has to be throughout everything you do. Everything you do. Prayer is always as simple as talking to God on your car ride home, or to work, or school, or whatever. But it can be as complex as having a journal praying through certain scripture verses, praying methodically for other people. Prayer is important. It's a, something we can do every day and we should do every day. Now, did I try to cover all of them? No. There's other spiritual exercises you can do, but these are the ones that I think really matter the most. Taking the Bible in, keeping in step with the Spirit, developing your relationships, and prayer. And when you do these things, you grow up spiritually. You get spiritual muscles. I love asking little kids, especially, a v, you know, VBS or, or whatever, whenever I see them, I, I, show me your muscles. You ever ask a little kid to show you, show me your muscles. Oh, they're so proud. So proud of those puny little arms, right? Now, if I ask someone who hasn't worked out since Reagan was president, Show me your muscles. They're probably not going to be too excited to show me their muscles. But it's important to ask the question. And I'm asking you, show me your spiritual muscles. What do they look like? Show me your Bible. Is it well used, highlighted, underlined, falling apart? Because the Bible that's falling apart is owned by someone who's not as the saying goes. Show me your checkbook. Show me your calendar and how it reflects your desires, what you want in life. Are you changing from the inside out? Show me your social media feed so I can see the people that you're interacting with and hanging out with and who you're pouring into and who's pouring into you. Show me the knee holes in your jeans not because you bought them that way because it's trendy, but because you're on your knees praying so much. Show me your spiritual muscles. And if your muscles are weak, don't be discouraged. I would never condemn you. God is patient. He's forgiving. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to be holy. He's holy. But it's time to get to work, don't you think? It's time to build up your spiritual muscles. And for many of you, you've been doing it. I see, I see it. I see you working. You're working out hard. There's nothing more encouraging to me when I go to the gym and see people just busting it. I love it. It, it, it encourages me. Like, I mean, they're working hard. And then, of course, there's that person that's like, you know, on the treadmill. and I don't judge them, but I'm like, 
There's that person, and there's that person, and that person's working hard, sweating. That's what God wants us to do. I'm so proud of you when you work hard, when you get into the Word, when you want to know the truth, when you go out of your way to fellowship, and, and you do. I just love it. we got to do this together, don't we? Oxytocin and serotonin for everyone, right? I'll finish with these two verses, and our team will come up and sing our final song. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, all of you are important. We need all of you working hard. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Doesn't that just bring it all together for us? And see, we need each other to grow up spiritually. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day to hear a word, to be encouraging, to, to see that it's important that we grow up. It's important that right in the middle of the summer when we're tired of staying up late and doing all kinds of different things, different activities. God, help us to see that we need to get back on track. We need to stay on track. We need to keep in step with your spirit. And we need to do our spiritual exercises. We need to grow up. And Lord, the closer that we get to you, the more you will bless us. The more you'll use us to help others and support others. I thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.